Hello, Monetization Nation. Today I'm joined by Roger Dooley. Roger is an author and international keynote speaker. His books include Friction, the untapped force that can be your most powerful advantage, which was named as one of the best business books of 2019 by Strategy and Business. He also wrote Brainfluence, 100 Ways to Persuade and Convince Consumers with Neuromarketing. He writes the popular blog, Neuromarketing, as well as a column on Forbes.com. He's co-founded College Confidential, the leading college-bound website, and he's been a serial entrepreneur since he left a senior strategy position at a Fortune 1000 company to enter the then-nascent home computer market. Thank you so much for joining us today, Roger. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Nathan. So can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? These days, I guess my biggest passion is focusing on some of the ideas from Friction in particular, uh, how to make things easier and simpler for customers, certainly, but also for employees. Uh, To me, people think they understand the concept of effort and that, oh yeah, we take all the effort, as much effort as we can out of our processes, except for that, which is unavoidable. But to me, there is a lot of improvement left uh, by so many companies and businesses. There are really difficult processes, not just for their customers, but but for their people internally. Uh, And this all prevents really uh, people from, first of all, being as satisfied as they could be. And on the employee side, you know, we have an em- employee engagement crisis now. People are disconnected from their employers. I think the pandemic has exacerbated some of that. Yep. And, you know, simply uh, recognizing that when you make things easier for your people, uh, they will appreciate the company more. They will be more loyal to the company. Yeah. Yeah. As each of the companies that I've built and each of the companies I've consulted with has needed help with reducing friction. This is such a critical, critical concept for digital marketing and digital monetization, digital strategy. Um, We have to make it simpler. Can you share with us your story, your journey to become this expert at removing friction from our business processes? Well, I guess we don't have time for the whole story, but I started off as an engineer, worked as an engineer for a few years and uh, was really steering more in a corporate direction, got into management, product management with a more marketing emphasis. Uh, And finally, when I was about 30, I was in charge of strategic planning for a Fortune 1000 company, which to me was really a great opportunity, great job, pretty remarkable for what I consider to be a pretty young age. And Uh, I chose that moment to bail out and become an entrepreneur. This was the dawn of the home computer business and a co-founder and I started a direct marketing business to sell all of the aftermarket products to the people who got the computer at a big box store that only had a very limited selection of additional items to go with that. And that kind of launched my entrepreneurial career. And it was in direct marketing too, which I think was a good formative experience because Uh, It, at the time, was the most quantitative type of marketing available. We actually knew what was working. We could do A-B testing in a kind of limited way. Uh, We could do square inch analysis. Uh, So we used a lot of quantitative tools to identify how we could improve our marketing. Uh, And at the time, advertising was pretty much by guess and by gosh. You know, you uh, tried something, 
and you saw if it seemed to work or not. Didn't really know if that ad drove people into your showroom or if it was just a really nice weekend. But uh, anyway, that was that was very formative for me uh, and also taught me a lot of lessons about entrepreneurship uh, over the years that transitioned into more digital businesses. Uh, service, I uh, had an IT outsourcing company for a while, uh, started, as you mentioned, College Confidential, which uh, ended, up be, ended up becoming the biggest website for college-bound students and parents, uh, and uh, ultimately led me to uh, my interest in neuromarketing, the intersection of neuroscience and marketing. I started writing about that about, boy, 16 years ago now, and uh, just really found that such a fascinating space. I, it kind of morphed a little bit into not just neuroscience because initially the tools of neuroscience were only available for big brands uh, and into more behavioral science that helped me uh, show people how they could improve their marketing without running costly tests all the time uh, using the tools of neuroscience, but how they could employ some of th that learning from neuroscientists, from behavioral scientists to do a better job of marketing. And uh, that kind of brought me to my first book, Brainfluence, which was about how to apply those techniques in a very simple way. And my second book, Friction, which is based on uh, an insight that really came over the years that uh, of all the things that marketers could do uh, to change their customer behavior, to get them to buy more, to be more loyal, that making things easier was that thing. And that... Uh, uh, led to my, my initial focus was pretty small focus, mainly on taking friction out of the customer experience. Uh, but uh, as I did more research and dug into it, it ended up becoming a little bit uh, more all encompassing to incorporate employee experience uh, and even uh, citizen experience, uh, changing behavior of people. Lately, we've seen uh, the effects of the pandemic and how people have uh, behaved in different ways, some behaving by some standards uh, badly, others uh, not you know, doing a good job. Uh, and with governments and other organizations faced with how do we change behavior to benefit society? How can we get people to do things that are safer? And this is all behavioral science. Uh, and again, friction enters into that too. If you make something easy, people will do more of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's amazing how big of a difference it can be. So many consumers today, as soon as it gets hard, as soon as it feels like it's too difficult, they just quit. They don't push through it like they used to. Well, yeah, you know, people are accustomed to an effortless experience. And uh, I saw one statistic that uh, millennials are particularly susceptible to this. And uh, these are a pretty hot area for marketers these days. Uh, and a very large percentage of them had reported abandoning a sign-up process simply because it was too effortful. It was like they were signing up for some kind of a service or subscription, and they bailed out partway through it because it was too much work. Uh, yeah. And this is really what you're dealing with. You know, Amazon doesn't make you work to place an order. You click a button, uh, and this is what people expect in just about everything today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you look at why people buy from Amazon. Amazon's in many cases, not even the cheapest uh, company anymore, but it's just so easy to not have to put your credit card in. It's so, you know, it's so easy to return it if you need to return it. You, you have such a, a faith in the simplicity and effortlessness of the Amazon process, and you know, you're going to get it on time. Um, they've removed so much friction from that process that they win even when they're not the cheapest. 
Yeah, I've got a good example of that, Nathan. It comes from my personal behavior. I've been a loyal Amazon customer for years and years. Uh, and a few years ago, something changed in my home state of Texas. They had not been co collecting state sales tax. Uh, and suddenly they struck a deal with Amazon uh, to do that. For me, that was an immediate 8% price increase. My Amazon prices went up 8% and they did not go up for all vendors at that time. Uh, and at that point I said, okay, well, I'm gonna shop around. Uh, I'm not gonna pay an extra 8% just because I like dealing with Amazon. I'll go to Overstock or some of the other companies uh, that may at the time may not have been charging that 8% sales tax. And what I found was, uh, looking back a year later, my behavior changed almost zero. It was simply too easy and too effortless to keep yeah. on doing business with Amazon. Uh, and so even though intellectually, uh, cognitively, I said, I'm going to shop around. Emotionally, I didn't. This wasn't worth our time. That's right. Yeah, it wasn't worth putting in our address and putting in a new credit card number and going through that whole process again with other vendors that we we didn't have as established relationships with. Okay, in this career of removing friction, what has been your biggest home run so far? You know, I think in my overall career, just taking it beyond friction, I think I'm still uh, hitting singles in the friction area. I'm not, uh, I haven't uh, quite hit that home run yet where I've seen massive change at the corporate level, which is really what I'd like to see, or even the government level. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, new there book. Are examples of it, but, but I think uh, my biggest home run uh, is college confidential. And I, I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, this began as a hobby project with a couple of co-founders uh, to try and help parents and students through the arcane college admissions process in the U.S., uh, which uh, for any listeners or viewers outside the U.S., the process here is pretty arcane. It isn't a simple test. Uh, you have an application process. The factors that students are evaluated on are many and varied and often opaque. People don't even know why they get in or they don't get in. Uh, and as a result, there's been a lot of confusion. There's been a counseling industry that's developed. Uh, and just in general, uh, I found particularly families that did not have a lot of experience, where maybe uh, they were first-generation citizens, or maybe uh, their parents had not attended college. Uh, there was such a lack of knowledge, a lack of available information, uh, that I got together with a couple of college experts and started this business, mainly to put content out there that would be helpful. And along the way, uh, I incorporated a forum uh, community uh, because I knew that we couldn't possibly answer all the questions that people would have. So I said, okay, we'll build a little community there where uh, they can ask the questions uh, and they can get answers either from uh, perhaps the few of us who were actually part of the organization or from other people. Uh, and that ended up becoming uh, the tail that wagged the dog, uh, generating uh, uh, tens of millions of page views per month uh, and creating mass amounts of useful content. And to me, the, uh, that was rewarding. We sold the business uh, to part of the Daily Mail group. Uh, but uh, to me, the real reward were all the communications I got from students uh, who said, I got into my dream school uh, because of the help I received at College Confidential. Or, uh, you know, visiting College Confidential caused me to look at additional schools uh, and it really opened my mind to other opportunities. And now I am at one of those schools. You know, those are the uh, 
types of things that I think every entrepreneur hopes to achieve, not just uh, you know, making a few bucks along the way, uh, but where yeah. you can change people's lives in a positive way, uh, change society in a tiny little bit in a positive way. Uh, that's really the reward. When did you start that forum site? What year? Uh, that was about uh, uh, 2001. Okay. And uh, we grew it. It did, it got a little bit of traction early on. Uh, and uh, we grew it until we were finally achieving some fairly considerable uh, traffic success, uh, not very good monetization success. Now this, uh, this podcast is about monetization. Yep. And uh, I have to tell you, Nathan, the, one of the biggest challenges we had in growing that business was how to monetize it. Uh, our naive assumption was that we would monetize by advertising, which depended on page views. Initially, we didn't have traffic, of course, so we knew we couldn't do much initially. We tried for a few sponsorship type things and had very little success with that. But once we were starting to get to uh, a higher level of page views, uh, maybe a few million per month, we said, hey, this is pretty good. Not all, not a lot of sites do this. So uh, we were beginning to get a lot of organic search traffic from Google. Uh, we knew that people were finding us and we knew that we were getting visible on the radar of college admissions offices. We said, well, okay, uh, they're gonna reach out to us and want to advertise because clearly uh, we are a place where students and parents go to learn about colleges. We are the ideal place. Uh, and uh, what we found was that did not happen at all. Uh, yeah. The market was very slow to change. Uh, we could not monetize effectively by advertising. We did a lot of monetization through things like Google AdSense, uh, which worked to a degree. But the problem is our traffic was so high, we blew through all of the good ads. And pretty soon, we were at just getting a lot of junk ads for uh, for-profit colleges that our audience wasn't interested in and other stuff that uh, just was not great. Uh, so that was a huge monetization struggle. And we eventually uh, combined with that group from this part of the Daily Mail group, uh, they had an education arm based in the US that was in the process of helping colleges market to students. They had a direct sales force of, I don't know, like 20 some people calling on colleges and university and a long trust relationship for that market. Because uh, colleges are very slow to adapt to change we found, they are, they're conservative. If they advertised yeah. in this directory for the last five years, they're probably gonna advertise in that directory again without really understanding how many leads they're getting from that whether it's working, whether it's creating a better image or doing anything at all for them. Uh, and I think that's changed over the years with digitization, but at that time it was very, very difficult sell. But uh, this company, I uh, had the sales force, so, but they did not have the ability to create high traffic websites. They didn't quite understand SEO. They didn't understand community building. And so that was really a match made in heaven, if you will, where yeah. uh, they, uh, they brought the sales force, we brought the ad inventory and we quadrupled our monetization just in 12 months or so. Wow. That is a great story. Okay. So let me, let me re, let me paraphrase that. Um, you built a website, you were able to achieve huge amounts of traffic, um, but you were an ad only model and you were having a hard time monetizing with ads, which is what I've seen. I've worked with a lot of companies and when they have an ad only model, it's, it's very hard to make enough money from ads to support the organization. And so you were able to find another organization that had, had a diversified 
stream of monetization. They were able to sell the leads to colleges to help colleges market themselves. And, and you could make money directly by cutting out the middleman of these ad marketplaces and selling leads directly to, to the universities. Did right. I they were actually selling advertising. They, uh, their business model for years had been paper directories, nice glossy uh, directories that they would create that colleges could advertise in. And they could be more general directories like liberal arts colleges, or it could be uh, Hispanic MBA programs. Uh, and uh, these were quality products. These were delivered to say uh, college counselors offices and other places where students would go to research uh, their options. Uh, it was a great model, but when the internet came along, uh, suddenly uh, that research was taking place outside of those offices. People were using paper directories far and far less. Uh, and the uh, ability to produce uh, a very high production value print product with great photos and whatnot uh, didn't really make that much difference. So it was, it was really perfect because uh, their primary uh, market was declining uh, and we had a big entree into the rising market uh, and they had the sales force to make that transition to say okay this is what you were doing before uh, now you can do this other thing to reach uh, those same and more people love it great win-win and that's a great story too when we want to sell our business so so point number one is don't build our business around ads only or especially not around just google ads only it'll be very hard to monetize effectively that way but when we are going to sell our business um look for somebody who who is able to monetize our business at a much higher level than we are able to monetize our business they've got some kind of so they've got relationships or products or something that are are better monetizing the space than we are being able to monetize. Then we'll be able to get a higher sale value because of the value that the business is to them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, that played out because we did have a couple of other offers from businesses who are in the lead generation business, often at for-profit colleges. But uh, we had a lot of traffic, but our traffic wasn't as good a fit. So, uh, you know, at first glance, you'd say, well, okay, these people are perfect. Uh, they could use our traffic to sell more ads, more leads to their clients, uh, but uh, they were not as good a fit as this other company where we were their market. Thank you so much, Roger, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, one reward of entrepreneurship can be changing people's lives and society in a positive way. Number two, we shouldn't build our business only around ads because it's hard to monetize ads effectively. We need a diversified revenue stream. Number three, when we sell our business, we should look for somebody who is able to monetize our business at a much higher level than we are able to, or we should have done that ourselves. Uh, number four, having difficult processes can cause employees to be unsatisfied, disconnect, and less engaged. However, when we make things easier for our people, when we simplify, they likely will appreciate the company more and be more loyal to the company. Number five, if we make something easy, people will likely do more of it. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to learn more about Roger, you can connect with him on LinkedIn at rogerdooley.com or check out his books, Friction and Brainfluence. And you can find links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. 
You can also download a free copy of my ebook, Passion Marketing, and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook groups, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success as you strive to implement a diversified set of revenue streams for your business. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.